We're so glad you joined us at the Grace Gathered Podcast. If you've found your way here, know that you are hearing from two women who have prayed over you. Our prayer is that together we can encounter God and His Word intentionally and saturate our minds with Jesus in a world that is determined to fix our eyes on anything but Him. We hope you gather much encouragement to grow on and to share, and that you leave each episode knowing and loving Jesus just a little bit more. So grab a cup of coffee and come join our conversation. Let's get started. Hey girls, we're just back from our holidays, and Libby and I are excited to talk about this topic of margin and rest and sabbathing we're going to dive into that but this is a topic we've been talking about for a long time just the two of us also we need this message as much as anyone else absolutely um just in talking about slowing down and enjoying what was your favorite thing about your holidays this year Well, um, I really hate the word favorite because um, with Christmas, I love so much about it. And there's so many things that um, have become, I guess, traditions in in our family that I just love. Um, But I guess if I had to narrow it down to one thing, for the first time ever, I was ready way ahead of time for Christmas in every way possible. And I, you know, I know you and I talked about this. I kept waiting for something to drop that mm-hmm. I had forgotten, but it never did. And I think it was because I've been practicing incorporating these rhythms and habits in my life that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of episodes and into our gatherings um, that allowed me to sort of relax and enjoy it. But um, on a more specific note, I really, really loved um, the part on Christmas Eve. We always have a party at our house. And I had two nephews that brought their guitars and we sat around in the living room just singing Christmas songs. And that was so much joy. I think many times moms of little ones especially feel the pressure of starting new traditions. I know I do. Um, Ones that we hope our children will carry forward and that will be a part of our families for years to come. And especially because these are such formative years. And then I realized, yes, these are formative years. So maybe the most important tradition and sentiment I can hope to pass along to my daughter is that of slowing down and enjoying and reflecting instead of speeding up. Yeah. And and when we really stop and think about what what is the true reason behind the celebration of Christmas, right? Um, It's Jesus. And not that we can't do fun things like give gifts and go see light shows and and do those things that we're taking away from Jesus. But but when we saturate ourselves with so much, Um, moving elves on the shelves and (laughs) going to all the Christmas parties and and trying to see every light show that is available, you know, overdoing, over um, planning um, takes away from our opportunity to sit down and to reflect about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And and, and I think that's where the stress comes in. Mm -hmm. That's really how some of this has come to be, um, Mm -hmm. how these ideas that we want to talk about and share with you have come about. These topics of margin, rest, and Sabbath are ones that we are actually going to explore over the next two gathering events 
and the next two podcast episodes as well. They're so intertwined that we're going to be talking about each one individually, um, but it's hard to talk about them without talking about the others. I'm so excited because these concepts can be taught in and adopted into our everyday lives in such a legalistic way as this one-size-fits-all idea. And already in recent months, talking about this with Libby and others around us has added life and joy and refreshment to the conversation for me personally. So I'm, I'm very excited. These rhythms that we're going to be discussing and Sabbath, that is what leads us to a life of spiritual flourishing. And that is what our theme is for this year. Um, Jesus came so that we would have life to the abundant. And that is how we're going to get there is by incorporating these things into our life. We're going to start today laying some groundwork with margin, defining margin and talking about what that means and working toward the goal of Sabbath. What exactly is margin? The dictionary defines it as a limit in condition, capacity beyond or below which something ceased to exist, be desirable or be possible. So like if we think about margin and putting margin into our life and limits on something where it ceases to exist, um, what kinds of things come to your mind when we say that? Um, Two things. The first thing that comes to mind is my quiet time, my devotion, my Bible study time. I set aside time at the very beginning of my day for it because it's often the only time I get much quiet or time to myself. Uh, but if something does interrupt me, then that day I don't do it at all. I don't have any margin in my day built in where I can have some time to myself later to catch up on it. Or if I do have a moment in my day later where I have some time, it's not the first thing then that comes to mind. My to-do list is the first thing that comes to mind. So that's something that ceases to exist <laughs> with that definition of margin. Um, another for me is I'm not very available to my friends and family that I don't share a home with. It's this balance I haven't quite gotten figured out or even come close to figuring out between being very present with my daughter and my husband, getting all the things done in my day that I need to, and then also feeling like I have time for friends and family. So that makes me um, very unavailable by phone. <laughs> And it does not make me feel good that I don't have time built into my day to be spontaneous and have a conversation. Um, and it comes from, in a previous season of my life, I was working way too much, was always on my phone because of work. And so this is sort of my overcorrection. But at the same time, it feels like the right fit to be very present with my family. So it's, it's hard. It's a balance. And I often feel like I'm failing at it. I haven't found that either. Well, well, we, <laughs> well, Stephanie, we've talked about the fact of how much I've learned from you in that regard that I might shoot you a text and I might not get a response from you for eight hours. And um, 
Whereas for someone like me, you know, I mean, we can sit around waiting for the text. You know, those little dots and you can see somebody's responding and you're just chomping at the bit to see what do they have back to say. And I've learned um, that when I text you, I might not get a, a rapid response, but I will get a, a thought provoking or an intentional or just what I need response from you when the timing is right for you. And I've learned to um, be able to sit in that. And it's taught me a lot that I don't have to respond immediately and because in, in my line of work, um, we've talked about this before too. You know, I, I get some heavy texts sometimes about things that are going on in the lives of people around me and in our church. And you can't just answer those with an, a heart emoji sometimes. Sometimes you have to sit down and um, give thought to those things. And um, and sometimes when you receive that text, you're not where you can do that. And so um, I, I love what you've taught me in that. And um, But as we said before, you know, everything can be used for good and everything can be a negative behavior too. It all depends on our intentions of our heart. Um and how we're being, how we're using these things for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. I've really been um, seeking God in this area of my life for a long time, and for me, margin where I became, I would say, so stretched, and the limits were, it, I ceased to have a desirable life is in my area of work. I was just so busy all the time. I literally had four jobs at one time. And if you've known me for even a fraction of my life, you'll know that that's pretty much the way I roll. I'm constantly doing and constantly have a list of things. And um, I have a strong aversion to laziness, but I've somehow managed to incorporate busyness as not being lazy. And it has stepped into my life in a way that I have not been acknowledging or even participating in any kind of rest or Sabbath. And I've come to realize that that is something that's detrimental to my spiritual walk. And so I sort of started this journey a couple of years ago and I'm still in the journey and I have made some strides, but I haven't arrived. And I think that's perfect because we're going to be talking about that a lot at the gathering, Mm -hmm. um, having goals versus just setting up certain rhythms and behaviors. And so, yeah, for me, margin has been just not having an 80 hour work week. So the first step to creating margin in our life is to realize that we have none. <laughs> I think I think a lot of us don't realize we're in a hurry because everyone around us is in a hurry. Yes. This episode will be about discerning where we are and that where we are is afflicted with hurry sickness. Mm, that's good. We'll define hurry sickness like this, a behavioral pattern characterized by continual rushing and anxiousness. Tell us if any of this sounds like you. (laughs) A malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and to get flustered when encountering any kind of delay or interruption. And Stephanie, I think it's really important that we let everyone know right now, we are not trying to help you with time management. That's not what this is about. I want our listeners to understand that hurry is soul sickness. You cannot flourish if you do not have margin incorporated into your life. So Stephanie, give me some examples of what does hurry sickness look like? 
I'm thinking of some specifically for myself, and mm. they're coming to mind quickly. <laughs> so, uh, when you're at the grocery store and you're looking to see which checkout line has the fewest number of carts in it, and you're counting to see, multitasking to the point of forgetting one of the tasks, or where you're doing each of your tasks not to its fullest, That's I good. think is my thing. Hypersensitivity. Yeah, workaholism or just nonstop activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm like you a little bit. I'm in a very different season, but when I have free time, I almost don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And it kind of almost gives me a little bit of anxiety. Like there's yeah. definitely something I could be doing of value right now. That's right. And that's it a lot right there. Yeah. <laughs> And what about, you know, those who practice escapist behaviors? You know, that's a lot of things. That could be anything from just sitting and scrolling mindlessly on TikTok to um, spending money to make yourself feel better and escape your life. Or, I mean, there's so many different things that we could talk about here. Um, Those are some really huge red flags that your soul is sick and in need of soothing and healing. Mm -hmm. So if our main goal is to love and live like Jesus, then when we look at how he lived in the Bible, you'll notice that he spent much of his time working, but that much of his work came in the form of interruptions. He never seemed to be in a hurry to get somewhere. He had a destination in mind, but people stopped him along the way, and he was never too busy for anyone. That's exactly right. He also spent time with his friends, and he also rested, which is, I think, something a lot of us tend to throw to the wayside. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You know, Stephanie, sometimes hurry um, in our lives can make us resentful of interruptions, but Jesus always took that time um, to speak life into that individual who interrupted him. He was never resentful. One of the ways I think I tried to play God in my own life un- unintentionally is with my schedules sometimes. So mm-hmm. if I say, what kinds of things interrupt my day today? Many of them come in the form of my three-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> but here I am saying she interrupts my schedule or my plan for the day. Yes. And really, she's one of the two most important ministries God has placed in my life. So when we yes. step back and take that perspective the interruptions are often the things that he wants to get our attention with and wants us to spend the time on. Too. That's really so. good. So spiritual theologian Dallas Willard has said, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day, and you must ruthlessly eliminate it from your life. And Stephanie, I've been reading this book by John Mark Comer called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And a lot of the ideas behind it come from the teaching of Dallas Willard. He talks a lot in his book about how he came to sip and agree with this idea. And um, when I first began to read it, I thought, seriously, hurry, that's the greatest spiritual enemy in our day. And I think most people, when they first hear that, sort of bristle at that. We might think, no, it's got to be more like uh, progressiveness. It's got to be prosperity gospel. Or what about the redefinition of sexuality and marriage or the erasure erasure of gender or internet porn or addictions? Surely not hurry. And I think a lot of the reason that we sort of wrestle against that is because we have to identify this in our own life. Mm -hmm. We have to see that we are all sick in this way. Mm -hmm. 
I love the words ruthlessly eliminate. Yes. Think, think of all the other things we do try to ruthlessly eliminate from our lives, even without using that terminology, but especially in early January with yeah. resolutions. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, we are a society of that, but we're trying to eliminate all these things that really don't help us. Mm-hmm. Me, maybe. Mm. In, in the temporary. Right. We hope to send you and us on our way forward this year with greater understanding of where the world has distorted the biblical ideas of changing and growing, slowing down, spending time in solitude and silence. God's kingdom is upside down, making it seem as foolishness. You've probably heard us say that many times, upside down kingdom. His idea of productivity is grace-based and wildly different from the one we've allowed the world to steep us in. We aspire to be the most successful, well-educated, decorated, and esteemed, and we often define our value by our level of productivity. Yeah, that's good. But he asks us to be like little children. So I can tell you, my daughter is never in a hurry (laughs) to get anywhere, (laughs) but... Her life resembles Jesus's more than mine does in this time. So that is a good reminder to me. She's better at stopping to enjoy what she sees, um, to ponder the things that amaze her. And she's never too busy for anyone. I love it. Well, going back for just a second, why do you think we as grownups lose that that innocence that she has and that ability to just slow down and enjoy life and, and the little interruptions that come. I think it has to do with the sneaky work of the devil in a lot of ways. He's, um, he tells us that we should compare ourselves to others. Mm. Um, and to a lot of us, that means who's the most productive or who's the most successful. Yeah, that, that's that. very good. You know, Corey Ten Boone once said that if the devil can't make you bad, he will make you busy. Mm. And I think that is so important to remember that. We end up in a cycle of comparing Mm. disparaging guilt and shallow contentment when we're comparing the work we're doing to the work that someone else is doing. That's right. Just look at the story of Mary and Martha. And, you know, Martha was doing a lot of good work, preparing food and getting things ready for Jesus' visit to their home. And she got really frustrated and resentful towards Mary, who was, in her opinion, doing nothing. But it's so interesting how Jesus lovingly points out to Martha that, While what she was doing was good, what Mary was doing was the better thing, sitting at his feet Mm -hmm. and learning from him. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a sweet, gracious way for Jesus to teach Martha about her busyness? Mm -hmm. So we're here to challenge this thinking. How do we uproot from a place of denial or unrecognition to a place of repentance of our hurry? That's good. There are a million self-help books that will give you some ideas, some steps to follow, but I want to challenge you all and myself that the first step should always be to pray. Yes. Libby and I (laughs) have challenged ourselves to make sure we pray before we do any work on the podcast, and it's forgotten sometimes yeah usually as we're eager to get to work and so and it's never the same person twice in a row who remembers so we hold each other accountable and encourage each other in that absolutely but the reason they say that prayer should be the first step is because nothing changes at the heart level below surface level without 
God's doing. That's good. And my best friend is going to chuckle at that because I say that probably 80 times a month. <laughs> but it's good. It's good to remember that. And to have that in our our mind is a mantra that keeps us focused on what we need to be focused on. That's so different from what the world would tell us, though, Was is a good mantra to carry in your pocket. The world would say, you can do whatever you put your mind to, or just look inside yourself to find the power within, which is yeah. probably why a lot of resolutions sputter. Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. You know, and I think as Christians, it's something that we need to really understand that the power that is within us is not of ourselves, but it's that of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So diving into the very first and best self-help book ever made, and the only one that is God-breathed and full of life, let's explore some biblical principles about our time and effort management. Now, we said before, this is not a self-help podcast about time management specifically, That's but, we, right. but we really want to dig into some biblical principles because that really is just, it makes a life-changing difference. That's right. And a lot of these principles that we're going to share with you today are coming directly from a book by Jordan Rayner called Redeeming Our Time. We'll put the book information and the link to Jordan Rayner's website in the show notes so you can explore it more on your own if you'd like. We're not going to read to you every one of these principles that are in this book. But we're just going to talk about a couple of them that really stood out to Stephanie and I both. And I think the first one is if we want to master our time, then first of all, we have to come to know the author of time. Mm-hmm and the meaning of time and come to know the part that he calls us to play in his grand story. You know, we have to understand that we've been created to be alive at this particular time in the world and that God has something for each of us to accomplish um, for his glory in this time that we're here. It is interesting to think too, that he could have made a world where time wasn't a thing or an important thing. Yeah. (laughs) So, well, he knew we needed limits. Mm. He knew our earthly bodies would need that limit Mm. and time is the limit he put on it. That goes right into my favorite one. Sin has ensured we will all die with unfinished symphonies. Yeah. I'm sure we all have something on a bucket list where we'll be disappointed if we don't complete X, Y, and Z before we die. But None of the work we're doing here matters unless it is kingdom eternity work. That's exactly right. And it's not a huge, it's not a tragedy. This makes it sound bittersweet, an unfinished symphony, but it's not a tragedy to die with an unfinished symphony because God will continue the work. That's exactly right. So going back to the first episode, when Libby was talking about the idea of flourishing, Um, She asked, what might I be asked to stop doing or give up in order to flourish? Um, This is so important, especially as we're talking about doing too much. It's not doing more, doing more, doing more. What am I being asked to do less of or give up? Yeah, that's good. Each of us has different things that tempt us or draw us away, and it might be very different from one person to the other. The end goal for this is that we are more like Jesus. And for each person, that is going to be different. You know, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So our prayer is that we can all put away the idea that we will one day get there or get it all right, (laughs) and instead be perpetual students of Jesus's life. 
that we can honor the process of formation and becoming more like him, and that we can be more like little children, building margin into our lives so that we have time to ponder in our hearts, sit in awe of him, and worship in the ways he's designed us each to worship. We pray that our souls would find what they are truly craving in spending time with him. Let us not miss the interruptions that are actually opportunities from God to make a difference for his kingdom and experience the joy of that. So girls, we don't want you to miss out on the next gathering. Make sure you mark your calendars February 10th from 6 to 8 o'clock. We will be focusing our teaching on formation and your spiritual walk with Jesus. We'll see you then.